Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 219. Royal Caribbean changes its rules and policies from time to time, and recently made a change to its unlimited alcohol package rules that necessitates a discussion on this week's episode. I'll talk about what the change to the drinking package is all about, why Royal Caribbean made the change, and what options we all have going forward. Here we go. In October 2017, Royal Caribbean made a big change to its limited alcohol package by requiring all guests who are adults in the stateroom to purchase an unlimited alcohol package if one adult elects to do so. And this week I wanted to talk about it because it is generating a ton of comments, as you might imagine, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And it's an important change, first of all, to be aware of if you're planning your next cruise and also understand why and talk about how to handle this from a planning standpoint. So let's talk about the, the what, what changed, right? So, Royal means Deluxe Beverage Package, a.k.a. the Unlimited Alcohol Package, has been a really, really popular option. And up until last week, Royal Caribbean allowed guests to uh, purchase an Unlimited Alcohol Package for just whomever wanted it. So, if uh, you know, if it was uh, two parents and the kids in the room, if one parent wanted the drink package, only one had to do so, and the other one did not. Now, that is actually flying in the face of pretty much every other cruise line out there, especially cruise lines that are competitors to Royal Caribbean, Carnival, Norwegian specifically. They actually have drink packages, A, and B, they've been requiring for years all adults to buy one if one buys it. So let me make it very, very clear. This only kicks in if one person wants it. If neither of you want the drink package, then that's fine. But if any adults in the stateroom want to order a drink package, they'll now be required to order a drink package for all adults at the same time. And this is an, uh, applying basically to welcome to select sailings. It's pretty much all sailings in uh, 2018 and a couple of them before 2017, like late 2017, November, December. But it does vary a little bit. But generally speaking, let's use that as the guideline. But of course, you should check your cruise. You'll see if it's available there. In fact, the way to test it is go to Royal Caribbean's Cruise Planner on Royal Caribbean's website and try to buy the drink package. And if you have more than one adult in your room, you're going to find that it's going to tell you, hey, uh, all adults in the same state room must purchase this package. And uh, there you go. It's pretty straightforward. So why is this change happening? Well, essentially, it stems from one basic reason, which is that for years, the drink package has been available in various incarnations, the element alcohol package, and the result has been it's been abused by certain guests. Not all guests, of course, but there has been enough abuse in this in the form of sharing the package. Now, Royal Caribbean tells people that you're not allowed to share the element alcohol package, meaning if you buy the element alcohol package, you may not give any drinks that you receive from the package to any other guest, period. End of story. That's it. No, well, they just want to taste you know, one here or there. What's the difference? None of that. That's been against the rules from day one. And essentially, this change comes down from the idea that that's what's happening, and that's the reason, the rationale behind it. And again, when you look at what other cruise lines do, it kind of was what Royal Caribbean, you know, Royal Caribbean was the outlier in that situation. Now, you, a lot of people bring up the really good point, which is that, well, that's why they like Royal Caribbean. You know, good for them for being for being leaders, right? Not just being following the market, so to speak, or just, you know, doing what everyone else is doing because everyone else is doing that. There, that, there tends to definitely be happen some uh, groupthink in the cruise industry. And I think that Royal Caribbean tries to do that as much as they can. But let's not forget that Royal Caribbean is a... It's a for-profit business, right? We you know, we talk about Royal Caribbean a lot. Obviously, love going on Royal Caribbean cruises, but they're a business. And while they certainly do value customer loyalty and making sure their customers are happy and whatnot, at the end of the day, their number one mission is to return a good investment to their shareholders. Bottom line, that was not a pun intended, but you know what I mean? That's just – that's what they're there to do. And if – 
implementing this means more money back, well, then that's kind of why they've got to do it. And to me, if Rogerman was the only cruise line doing this, then I might I might really raise an eyebrow more than I am. I'm actually, frankly, surprised it didn't happen sooner uh, when, with, with all this. Because, again, Carnival and Norwegian have been doing this for many years. This is not a recent change by any of those other cruise lines. And so, you know, a lot of times there's a good reason for it. Now, not everything. Like uh, the classic example, of course, is if you look at the airline industry and, you know, Southwest Airlines is famous for not charging for luggage, whereas every other uh, airline seems to do so. And you say, yay, Southwest, right? Good for you and all that. Not quite apples to apples, but you can make an argument to that effect. And I, I respect it. I think a couple things. Number one, first of all, obviously, no one expects this policy to be popular. I don't think anyone listening is like, oh, you know what, Matt? That's wonderful news. I'm, I applaud them for doing that. Unless you're just really a, a big fan of not, <laughs> of not having waste or, or people cheating the rules. And, you know, maybe you buy drink packages already for, for uh, ever all the adults in one stateroom. And so there's not much of a change here. So, you know, there, there's that. I highly doubt there's a lot of people that kind of fall in that category. I think a lot of people are just like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. But I think some people either understand why or some people are, quite frankly, outraged by it. There are, there seems to be quite a number of people who are legitimately uh, upset about the about the change, and they understand. I mean, they kind of understand why, but they also the the argument is always given. Well, that's fine. Sharing is bad. We all agree on that. Why doesn't Royal Caribbean do more to police it? A really good question, right? Can't Royal Caribbean do a better job of it? Certainly, a lot of people will point out, and I think rightfully so, that. Prior to this change, the bartenders were a little cavalier with their giving out drinks. There are often times where I would order a drink with the drink package and they wouldn't even ask me my CPAS card. Or they would just, you know, ask me what my room number. And it was never really like, it didn't seem like it was a very detailed operation in the sense of, okay, let's make sure this guy's got the drink package before we charge it. I often joke to them and they know where I live, right? They know what stateroom I'm in, so they're going to find me one way or the other. But, you know, to that point, you know, should Royal Caribbean do more to police it? And my response to that is, I don't, sure, let's go with that idea. What can they do? Because here's a classic way to share a drink on the drink package. You go to a bar, you have the drink package, right? So you go to a bar, you order a drink, you take the drink, you walk away from the bar, far enough away that you're without, the bartender can't see, quite honestly, most of the time the bartenders are then focused on someone else anyway, but you walk away, you give the drink to somebody else, and then you move on to another bar and order another drink for yourself or vice versa. But however you do it, you know, you've now done it. How do you police that? I mean, this is not going to be like a casino situation where, you know, in the casino, they have like cameras like every two inches because they want to track your your progress and whatnot. It's not practical to do that. The manpower involved, first and foremost, is just not going to happen. I mean, you've got, you know, on, can you imagine on Oasis class ships, you know, 6,000 some odd people, you know, trying to be tracked to make sure they're not giving somebody a pina colada. <laughs> it's just, it's not realistic. And that's that's what I think it really comes down to is that if they could, they would. But this is the simplest, most efficient way to do that. Now, if you're if you're getting angry, if you're yelling at your through your car and shaking your fist angrily and say, "How could they do this? I can't believe it. My wife, my spouse, my friend, my cohort doesn't drink. They're pregnant. They're a recovering alcoholic. They don't like beer. They don't like the smell of it. They don't want they don't want it at all. Or I don't want to order for them. What? It's okay. Calm down." Calm down. It's okay because I'm going to tell you a way to get out of it. That's right. There is a way to get out of this. Rogerman has, has added there are a number of exclusions for this new rule. And it's actually really easy to get around. Uh, they Rogerman lists these, these exemptions or exclusions as if you're pregnant, a recovering alcoholic, you have a medical reason, you have a religious reason for not drinking, a medical reason for not drinking, right? A religious reason for not drinking, or 
you do not consume alcohol due to personal preference. Now, between all those rules, especially the last one, that's pretty much covers everybody. I mean, you really just – the only way you can't get out of this is if you call in and say, uh, I'm too cheap to buy the drink package. <laughs> like, no, no, fall back on the I don't consume alcohol. For a lot of people, that's the reason why you're too cheap, right? It's like, why don't I buy my wife the alcohol package most cruises? Because she doesn't drink enough to make it worthwhile financially. Does she drink? Yes, but not a lot. And she doesn't consume that much of it. But the bottom line is all you have to do is call Royal Caribbean. So, And, and when you go to the cruise plan, you'll find a uh, 1-800 number, a toll-free number at the bottom of the page. And there you can call up and say, hey, I'd like to buy a drink package, but uh, the other adults in my stateroom are not people that you know fall into one of those categories, however you want to say it. And then they'll opt you out. And you don't have to provide proof or anything like that. I mean, that's that's not what they're at. They're, they're just, you know, you've got to make the extra step to do so, which basically means this rule is very easy to get around. This is not a, I don't want to say hard and fast rule. It is a hard and fast rule, but it's not a, it's a rule that if you're listening to this podcast or you're at com or a number of other websites, I'm sure, you probably know how to get out of this particular rule. So it's, it's a lot like gratuities, automatic gratuities. When automatic gratuities were installed, every, so not everybody, I should take that back. There were some people who were really upset about the idea. They don't like it period, they want to give their own gratuities or insert rationale here. That being said, to this day, Royal Caribbean allows you to go to guest services and take away your automatic gratuities and opt to do it on your own. And by the way, if you're listening to this, you should not be saying, oh, good, I don't have to pay your gratuities. No, 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 no. You absolutely positively should pay your gratuities. If you do opt to do it on your own, that's fine. That's okay. Some people like giving the money directly to the person. Some people prefer to give it with cash. Some people prefer to, the, to you know see the service before they give it. They're happy to give it. They just want to see the service. That's fine. And those are all way legitimate reasons. Uh, but I just want to make sure I make it very clear that you should not go on a cruise and not pay anyone gratuities. It's, I promise you it's not that bad. And second of all, uh, it's the right thing to do. You can be, I'm going off on a tangent here, but you can be mad at the system for what it is, and that's fair, but don't take it out on the people that are working hard to make your cruise awesome. Let Royal Caribbean know they should include gratuities in your fare, however you want to, however you want to, you think the world should work, but in the meantime, make sure you pay your gratuities. Okay, back to this. So how does that, <laughs> sorry, I thought it was a good point to make and I wanted to go about it, but how does that come back to the drink package here? Well, it's the same thing that you have that option to get out of it. And you can do so. So, of course, that leads to the obvious question. Well, Matt, if you can get out of it so easily, why is Royal Caribbean doing this? What's what's the point to all this? And the point is, most people who go on a Royal Caribbean cruise don't listen to this podcast. I know. It's shocking. I still can't believe it. I thought everybody listens to this podcast. But a vast majority of people, like my parents, go on a cruise. They just book it. They don't do any research. They just show up. There's a lot of people that do that. I would say a vast, vast majority of people do that. And so they'll be, A, unaware that there are policies like this. B, unaware that there's an exemption or exclusion to the rule. And C, we'll just simply just do it. Oh, I got to buy one for my spouse. All right, honey, it looks like you're going to be drinking a lot this cruise. All right, put us down for two. Like Most people don't put a lot of thought into it. They just, they're unaware the packages even exist. They get on board the ship. They see the little signs, the little stands. Like, ooh, a drink package. Why, that would be lovely. A great way to help, you know, just make it easy to buy drinks on board the ship. And there you go. It's... Look, it's the heart of why the drink packages have been so popular for Royal Caribbean. But as I mentioned, Royal Caribbean is – you can hear some of them crying right now. You can – you at the heart of it, you know, obviously Royal Caribbean is – because they're making so much money on this, they also need to protect their investments. And like, you know, I often give the example if you ran a store and some customers were stealing some of your product. Not all of them, but some were stealing your product because sharing the drink package is stealing. If they were stealing some of your pack, your, your product, you know, and if there was an easy way to, you know, get – cut down on it, maybe you don't eliminate it all, all the way. I mean, I think 
theft is something that every business deals with. But you know, even if you reduce it by 10%, which is a very conservative number, that's 10% more that you're making back. Anybody who comes up with that says, I can save 10, this company 10% on, the, you know, on X, whatever X happens to be. I mean, that, that, that's how you become a manager, how you become a vice president, you know? So if this helps with 10%, 20%, 50%, 75%, who knows how much percentage it'll help, it's just going to help Royal Caribbean's bottom line, which goes back to my original point that I brought up earlier, which, of course, is that Royal Caribbean is a business. Now, if I sound like I'm coming on Royal Caribbean side of things, I'm trying to be more of a pragmatist than, than a cheerleader on this, I'll be honest with you. Because, number one, I don't know how this will ever change. Now, to be fair, when Royal Caribbean first offered the drink package and they first introduced unlimited alcohol packages this rule was in effect and they quickly rescinded it it went away i don't remember how quickly but within a couple months it was it was there and it was gone and then it was gone for a number of years so perhaps you could say well matt one thing you can do is you can let royal Caribbean know voice your displeasure and one of the best ways you can always voice your displeasure is after your cruise and your post-cruise survey let them know about that put that in the comments there's a comment section in the post-cruise survey which you'll be given via email and you can write, you type, I suppose, uh, you know, say, hey, if this is wrong that you're doing this, blah, 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 voice your, you know, state your opinion. But let them know that you don't like this idea. And if enough people voice their displeasure about it, they may change it back again. And example A, exhibit A, the thing I always bring up, and it's, I think it's rightfully so, is dynamic dining. I mean, dynamic dining was Royal Caribbean's brainchild. It was their, it was their, it was the future. It was what they were really looking to push going forward. And enough people did not like enough people to, complained about it that Royal Caribbean got rid of it so by that token I believe there are no sacred cows there are no golden calves there are no things that cannot be touched and Royal Caribbean listens to their customers so let them know about it I certainly you know posting a nice comment on Facebook or whatever I mean yeah that's a way to do that but the number one way to affect change in Royal Caribbean truly in my opinion is to put it on the post-cruise service they really take that to heart I think that's a really big part of it um and and i think that's something that you have to understand uh you know if you want to voice your displeasure there certainly do so um and and, you know the other thing the other fact and this is something i always think gets kind of lost in this whole discussion is you don't need to buy a drink package i talk a lot about the alcohol package it gets talked about a lot online it's a popular subject a lot of people do enjoy it but you don't need an emphasis on need to buy one there's nothing wrong with going on a roller coaster cruise and just paying for drinks individually. There are a lot of drink specials on board that'll be offered. You can obviously drink for a whole lot cheaper in many ports you're visiting. There's ways around, or you just don't drink as much. Some people just, you know, when I'm at home. I if I have one drink every couple days, that's like shocking. So by that token, why should you have to drink so much on a on a cruise? Right? To quote my mom, who told me in college, you don't have to drink to have a good time. <laughs> I know that's not a very popular idea. It wasn't when my mom told me that either. But I think that it's something to understand that it's an extra charge for you. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's your choice whether or not you actually want to engage in it or not. Uh, I I think that you have to understand, first and foremost, why it's happening. Number two, you have to understand there are exclusions. And quite frankly, it's pretty easy to get out of. And I hope that if you're listening to this podcast, you now are equipped with that idea. Now, for some people, they may be listening and say, well, yeah, I'm not a fan of the rule, but then again, we always buy the drink package anyway, so it's kind of a, you know, there's no real difference for us, and maybe that'll be the case. So, you know, it's, at the end of the day, this is a business decision. It's not a popular one. I don't think Royal Caribbean ever expected it to be a popular one, but I think that it is something that, you know, we need to talk about because for planning purposes, you should be aware that it's happening, 
and know how potentially if you need to to get out of it because you know maybe you do follow one of those exclusions there are a lot of folks who cruise who don't drink who maybe have medical reasons why they cannot drink and by that uh, reason or that rationale it's very easy to get out of it so um i i think really bringing this full circle you know with this change if Royal Caribbean sees a drastic drop in drink package purchases or a drastic intake of, of negative comments, I think we'll see a new policy shift. I don't know what it'll be. Maybe they get rid of it all completely or, or something a little different. I don't know. But Royal Caribbean is not afraid to tinker with their policies and rules and whatnot. They've shown that time and time again. And I think that's what really – that's why I take solace in. I know that, A, if I don't want to buy a drink package for my wife because she barely gets one when we go on cruises these days, that's okay too because I know that the exclusion – I'll just say she doesn't drink – you know, she doesn't want to drink, and that and that's fine. They're not going to track you, be like, oh, you know, Matt's wife didn't get the drink package. All right, let's let's call it in if she ever buys a drink on board. No, trust me, they'll take my wife's money and take a drink if she wants one. But you, they're not going to force. They can't force you to buy a drink package if you don't want it. So that's why the inclusions are there. So hopefully, this helps you plan your next cruise. Be aware of it, and I would love to hear your comments about what you think about this change and if this is going to affect you. Most importantly, I want to know: Will this change impact you? And let me know how on our comments at Royal Caribbean Blog. As always, love answering your Royal Caribbean questions and emails, and this is that point of the show where I read your emails that you've sent me with either questions or comments or thoughts, maybe something about the drink package, quite honestly. Whatever's on your mind about Royal Caribbean, this is your opportunity to, to voice them by emailing me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Mark and Lindsay from Yorkshire, England, and Mark and Lindsay, before I read it, I need to tell you, I don't know the answer to almost any of your questions, but that's okay. And the reason why I'm still going to read your questions, number one, you took the time to, to write it to me, but also number two, what's great about RollCoreanBlog.com is we have a great forum of knowledge. A lot of folks who listen are, you know, it, it's it's a very much a sharing community and people have different cruising experiences because I don't know everything. I freely admit I don't know everything about cruising. I just share what I do know and I also welcome feedback, ideas, and, and commentary from other people who have experienced things that I haven't. That way we all benefit from it. So with that in mind, let's read Mark and Lindsay's email. Who write, Matt, we love the recent Australia cruise podcast. We're heading out on our first Southern Hemisphere cruise with Royal Caribbean in mid-October. This year ending up in Australia. We'll be cruising out of Singapore on Voyager for a 10-night cruise to Perth, stopping in Port Klang, Malaysia, Lang Kwai, Malaysia, and uh, Thailand uh, before we go to Perth. So a couple questions. Firstly, any comments or views on the Voyager since this renovation? And secondly, any tips or hints you can give us for the stops? We'd love to hear a show on the Asian cruises in the future, seeing how much Royal Caribbean is going to be moving or have moved into that market now. Keep up the great work. So as I mentioned, I don't know really the lines. I've, I've never been on Voyager this season, although I have quite, I've heard quite a number of good comments about it. Voyager got a refurbishment a couple of years ago, and that really breathed new life into the ship. It, it added some nice facilities there. And it seems to be a very popular ship in the Asian market. It's kind of interesting that Voyager's been in the Asian cruise market, be Australia or 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 China um, or the Near East for quite some time now. But it's been a very, very popular ship, and a lot of people really seem to enjoy it. So I, I guess <laughs> the views are, I think you picked a good ship. Secondly, any tips or hints for where you're going? I've never been to any of those ports. And maybe if someone's been to those ports in Malaysia and Thailand and even Australia... Uh, please send me an email, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Maybe we can help Mark and Lindsay out with some good stuff there. And my last suggestion, Mark and Lindsay, is to pose this exact question on the Royal Caribbean Blog message boards. Love doing that because the message boards are a great place where you can pose these kind of questions. And we have so many great and helpful folks there. I think they'll really help you with 
uh, finding out what is going to be a good idea for you and maybe offer some first-hand suggestions. Next, we have an email from Joe, who writes, interesting podcast recently. How do you learn about the upgrade options mentioned? I'm a member of Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society, but I've never received any info on upgrades. On my fifth Royal Caribbean cruise, I booked the junior suites for the extra space. So, Joe, I'm not sure what you meant upgrade options. I think you mean, like, you book a cruise, and then, like, two weeks later, two months later, two years later, there's an upgrade option where there's a new stateroom of that higher than you, but it's a good price, right? How do you find out about those options? I'll assume that's your question. If it's not, Joe, please feel free to email me back and correct me on what your question was. But if your question is, how do you find out a room upgrade choices, there's only two ways to really find out, in my opinion, that I can verifiably say work every time. Number one, just check every periodically. Log into the go to rollcommand.com, pretend to do a mock booking on their website, and see if anything drops in price. I think a lot of people do this kind of as a... Yeah, I think a lot of people do this at work, quite honestly. It's kind of like one of those things, like, I need a little break. Maybe I'm just starting up in the morning. Let me see what's available. And you check it, like, once a week. You don't have to go crazy with it. But they check it there, and they find that information. The other option is a travel agent. A good travel agent is often working in a lot of different reservations all over the place. So they're going to be keyed in on, maybe they'll see something. Or they also get notified by Royal Caribbean, hey, we've got deals on these kinds of ships coming up soon. You know, as a means of trying to help sell them. But the travel agents now know, ah, that cruise that Joe booked three months ago is now he could upgrade to a, a grand suite or a junior suite for, you know, a little bit, a little bit, not that much more. Maybe it's, it's a wash. And there you go. So I really am a big proponent of using travel agents because they're keyed in on those kinds of things and they just make it a whole lot easier. Plus, also, when you went to go, if you want to go change rooms, boy, using a travel agent makes it so easy. Just so easy. So. Hopefully that answers your question, Joe. Thank you for sending me the email. Our next email is from Dietra Stevens. I hope I pronounced that right. Thanks for your great blog and podcast. You provided such valuable information as to me as I planned my first re- cruise recently on Liberty Seas out of Galveston. I wanted to give your back to your podcast by sending you a brief review of our trip. I traveled with my husband, 10-year-old daughter, and 8-year-old son on a Western Caribbean cruise to Cozumel, Grand Cayman, and Jamaica in August. We had a great experience in the Galveston port. The biggest issue was uh, traffic when we were arriving around 10.30 a.m. on embarkation day while people were still getting off the ship from the previous sailing. We took your advice, and my husband dropped me, the kids, and the luggage off the port, went and parked the car, and came back to meet us. There were short lines, and we were able to get on the ship with about 30 minutes. Disembarkation was just as easy. We elected to self-disembark, and we're off the ship in 30 minutes with no lines whatsoever. Uh, I was honestly a bit disappointed with the ship itself. The decor felt dated, and there was some stale cigarette smell everywhere. However, uh, it was well-maintained, and we enjoyed all the amenities. My kids loved the water slides and the floor rider, and enjoyed the pool slash splash area. I wish the pools and splash area were not all squished together in one location. It was hard to keep up with my kids as they ran between all of them. We played mini golf once, but it was really difficult. Uh, it was a difficult course with no barriers around each hole, so our golf balls were going everywhere. My son and husband loved the arcade, and the prices seemed reasonable. They played all the games they wanted uh, for our three days for over 50, for just about fifty bucks. We tried to go ice skating, but after waiting in line for twenty minutes, we were told it was full and had to wait another hour. We were not impressed with the shops on the Royal Promenade; too high end and expensive. We loved the live music everywhere. We were in an inside cabin on the third deck. We took a guaranteed room and had no issues with the room given. Our location was convenient to the main dining room and entertainment on the same side as the ship, with all the food options, adventure ocean, water slides, and the floor. It was perfect for us. Uh, we stuffed all four of us into the room, and we navigated the situation pretty well. I wouldn't hesitate to do it again. There was plenty of storage for all of our stuff. We had the main dining room, Winjamere, Johnny Rockets, and Sorrentos. We had my time dining and loved the main dining room and our waitstaff. We hated eating the Winjamere. Too crowded and overwhelming. Johnny Rockets was delicious, and Sorrentos was awful. Overall, food was just as you say, good to excellent. 
We enjoyed the entertainment on board. We saw Up in the Air, Ariella Show, Encore Ice Skating Show, Saturday Night Fever, Musical, two comedy shows, and an Elvis impersonator. Aside from one of the comedians, we were impressed. We were careful what our kids watch generally. We found most of the content of these shows be okay for the kids. My kids did not want to go to Adventure Ocean. We didn't want to force them to go. They met some other kids and wanted to try out the last night. They didn't enjoy it much compared to parents' night out at the local YMCA. I do think they would love the teens' area and activities in a couple of years. In terms of excursions, in Cozumel, we booked the Royal Dolphin Swim at Chacanab Beach Park through Royal Caribbean and loved it. We bought the ridiculously expensive photo package, and they took over 250 photos of our family. The excursion with photos was cost a small fortune, but it was worth it. We booked through an independent operator Aquarius Sea Tours for Grand Cayman, outing to Starfish Point and Stingray City, and to snorkel into the Coral Gardens. It was wonderful and highly recommended. Our tour price included fabulous photos of us. In Jamaica, we booked the Duns River Falls transfer and visit to Reggae Hill through Royal Caribbean. We loved hiking the, the falls, but if I were to go to Falmouth again, I would probably book with a private guide rather than going through Royal Caribbean. We purchased the onboard unlimited photo package on the ship. I don't hear much about this, so I thought I would mention it. I packed coordinating family outfits, and we took full advantage of as many of the portrait studios around the ship as we, the kids would stand for. We ended up paying $198 for about 250 photos on a USB drive, and I would say most of the photos were average and a few were good. Because we all have digital images, I think it's still worth buying the package rather than buying the prints, but buyer beware that the photographers have a limited repertoire of poses to suggest and aren't professional photographers with a lot of skill. They do have a good setup and the lighting is nice. Some of the backgrounds are very hokey, but they have a lot of variety. If you're diligent, you can get your money's worth out of the package. As a first-time cruiser, I was really worried about the seasickness, as I'm prone to motion sickness in cars and small boats. I came prepared with all sorts of seasickness remedies, but I had no issues whatsoever. Thank you for your dedication to the blog and podcast. I appreciate your hard work. Well, DJ, this is a wonderful email. Thank you for sending me. I I know it was a little long, but that's okay, because I wanted to share this. I thought you brought up some really good points. I love the review of the photo package. I think I pretty much agree with most of what you said there. I do appreciate... I mean, 250 photos is a lot of photos. So, at $198, that's less than, you know, uh, what, a a dollar a photo? That's not bad, considering... I mean, I was honestly surprised you got 250 I mean, granted, you have have the same amount of kids as me, so I don't know what I'm thinking. Uh, But that's... Yeah, as you said... If you're diligent, you can get your money's worth out of it, and that's good to hear. I'm also thankful for the excursion information. I know people are always looking for good shore excursion information, which, by the way, is here's your PSA. If you go on a, a shore excursion on a Royal Caribbean cruise, please feel free to send me an email and let me know about that excursion so we can read about it here. I can read about it here. You guys can listen to it here. Uh, so we can talk about, essentially, your experiences there. Because a lot of people are always wondering about new things or different ideas that they may see there. You know, overall, it sounds like you had a great cruise on Liberty of the Seas. You know, it's some of the some of the experiences that you mentioned that you didn't like were things that I would have liked. And then some of the things that you did like, I was kind of surprised by. But to each their own. And it, it's, it's you know, that's what makes cruising fun. What you find interesting, what I find interesting, maybe two different things. But that's okay, because we can both experience it in different ways. And I'm really glad that you were able to share your review of Liberty of the Seas. Thank you for the wonderful review, Deidre. Appreciate it. Our next email comes to us from Maggie, who writes, My husband and I booked our third Royal Caribbean cruise about a month ago. Since then, I binged almost all your podcast episodes. I'm not sure how we ever went to went on two other Royal Caribbean cruises without them. This will be our first time on an Oasis-class ship. We'll be on Allure of the Seas in March 2018, celebrating our 10-year anniversary without the kids! I wanted to do something special for my husband, and he kept talking about specialty restaurants and the limited dining plan. I've always been a main dining room kind of girl myself, but finally decided I would surprise him with a pre-cruise treat of booking the ultimate dining package for our cruise. Our thought is we can try all the specialty restaurants without worrying about managing them with the kids on the cruise, and then we'll know exactly which restaurants we can't stand to miss on future cruises. 
I'm assuming the booking element dining package for Allure, even though we won't get to try Wonderland, will make us specialty dining experts for the future. I do have two questions about the element dining package. Number one, will we be able to eat lunch for free at one of the specialty restaurants on embarkation day? We're basically chomping at the bit to try Sabor. If we can't eat there for free for lunch, we will definitely eat there for dinner on the second formal night. So if memory serves me correctly, I don't believe you can eat there on Embarkation Day, but you do get to eat at a place like Sabor for lunch on Sea Days. So you are allowed to eat there for Sea Days on uh, for lunch with the Ultimate Dining Package. I always go to the Windjamer, Maggie, so I was actually checking my my live blog from Harmony of the Seas that we went, we had the Ultimate Dining Package, and we went to the Windjamer because we always go there first. But my understanding is that it does not count uh, because it is your, it's a port day, your, your docked in embarkation port. Uh, number two, I'm curious about the dress codes. This will be not in the main dining room. I know that in theory that each restaurant has its own dress code. I'm wondering how it goes in practice. Do people generally get dressed up a little more informally, even if they're eating at a specialty restaurant? I love to dress up, but I plan to wear casual dresses and rompers most nights. Okay, I made Matt say romper on the podcast. <laughs> and cocktail dresses on formal nights because I can't resist. Will we stick out like a sore thumb at specialty restaurants? Deemed smart casual, or whatever it is. If I'm in a cocktail dress, my husband is in a suit. No, not absolutely not. In fact, I thought, Maggie, your question was the other way around. Like, can you just wear, like, jeans? Which you can't, really. Uh, no, you will not stick out. In general, when it's formal, people still dress up, even at restaurants. I would probably recommend, Maggie, that you, if you want to not... I don't, you're not going to stick out. But if you went to Sabor on formal night... You'll probably be the only people dressed in... Your husband will probably be the only one of the few people dressed in a suit there. I'm not saying he's not going to be the only one. But generally, when it's formal, most people just dress anyway for the occasion, even though it's not required. Certainly, Sabor has a much more relaxed atmosphere and dress code than Chops. If you were going to Chops Grill or 150 Central Park, I think suits and cocktail dresses are the norm over there, regardless if it's formal night or not. But most people get dressed up because, Maggie, it's not just about the dining room, it's about photos, it's about the different events that are going on, the champagne, you know, it all kind of plays in together. So, to your question, you will absolutely, positively not stick out if you're if you're wearing your formal night clothes into any specialty restaurants. I mean, will you... Again, if you go to Johnny Rockets, yeah, you probably will be. <laughs> I, I would argue you probably aren't going to go to Johnny Rockets. That wouldn't be a good use of your of your credits, but, you know, just pointing that out there. But outside of Johnny Rockets, Sabor, I'd just be uncomfortable because it's a little outdoor weather, but it depends. You're going in March, so it actually feel good to wear a suit out there, depending on how cool it is out there. I'm not sure. You're not going to go wrong. I, again, I have gone to Sabor in a suit. I never felt like, oh, gosh, I'm so out of place. Everyone's staring at me. No, nothing like that at all. No one will bat an eye on it, quite honestly. So I think I'll have a great time. That's just focus on the important thing, Maggie, which is the amazing food you're going to eat. And I think you did. I mean, the ultimate dining package is great. If you've never done the the specialty restaurants, it's a great way to do it. Without the kids, it's even better. And I'm like you, Maggie. I like the main dining room. I really do. And that's why when we're going back on our next cruise. We're doing the main dining room all the time. We just, I mean, I did the ultimate dining package for the purposes of research. And I'm using my air quotes right now, which you can't see. Uh, but you know, truly, I do love the main dining room. I think it's a really fun experience. So, good question, Maggie. I'd be curious to hear what you think about it at the end. Will you uh, be converted from main dining room to specialty dining? Mm. Wait, when you get back, let me know. Next, we have an email from Amy from Maryland. Hi, Matt, my husband, two sons, ages five and eight, and I just re- returned from our first Alaska cruise on Explorer this season out of Seattle. I was told many times that I should definitely get a balcony cabin for the Alaska cruise, but I want to let you know about another option that we found just as good, if not better. We got a panoramic ocean view room at the very front of the ship, and it was amazing, especially the morning we went to Tracy Arm Fjord. The captain said we would be starting in the fjord around 5.30 a.m., and the best time to see the glacier up close would be about 7.30 a.m. Of course, at this hour, my kids were sound asleep, so waking them early so we could be, would have been a huge ordeal. 
However, my husband and I awoke early, and while still in our pajamas, we looked out uh, our massive panoramic window to see the most amazing views of the glacier. As we were viewing the glacier and the fjord for hours from our cozy room, we watched the crowds of people at the front of the ship, bundled up in the winter gear, checking out the glacier. It was amazing to see the glacier and not even have to change out our pajamas or wake the kids. A few other bonuses of the panoramic room were number one, there was a separate alcove with bunk beds for the kids, so it was like they had their own closed-off room. Number two, the panoramic rooms are on the 12th floor, so we just had to walk outside across the back deck to reach the kids' club, which is also on deck 12, but in the back of the ship. And number three, the room was cheaper than the balcony rooms. And number four, the spa is right around the corner on this deck. I would definitely recommend panoramic rooms, especially for all the beautiful scenery to see in Alaska. As far as excursions, we saw the beautiful Mendenhall Glacier in Juneau and walked around town after going on the Mount Roberts Tramway. In Skagway, we did the Royal Caribbean excursion with the dog sled puppies, Panning for Gold, and the White Pass Railroad, which was thoroughly enjoyable. The kids still talk about holding the puppies, and I enjoyed listening to an actual Iditarod racer explain all the intricacies of the race. I also enjoyed the beautiful scenery from the train, although my kids got a little bored and slept most of the way. In Victoria, we did a bus ride to the Butterfly Gardens and uh, Bootchart Gardens. You can buy the tickets uh, for the bus just outside the Empress Hotel where the cruise ship drops you off. It's much cheaper than the excursion on the ship. You can also you can stay as long as you want in the gardens as the buses run about every half an hour or so. We got the 3 p.m. bus back from the gardens and to the Empress Hotel and leisurely strolled around back to the ship before all aboard at 5.30. All in all, it was a wonderful vacation. Really enjoyed the ship, although the rope promenade could get a little crowded at times, especially during uh, shows on the walkway over the, above the promenade. Amy, thank you for the email and great review. Boy, I'm excited for the, the group cruise, and I'll use this opportunity. Yes, for the group cruise. <laughs> I was trying to be subtle about it, but there you go. Let's <laughs> use the opportunity to shamelessly plug the Royal Cream blog group cruise to Alaska. In fact, I'm going to Alaska for the very first time. I'm inviting you to join me for it. June 22nd, 2018, Explorer of the Seas. And it's going to be the next Royal Caribbean blog group cruise opportunity. It's going to be really exciting. Going out of Seattle, seven nights. Explore the Seas. You, they do have those panoramic rooms that Amy was talking about. If you want more information about how you can join us for the group cruise, including a 100% no obligation quote, be sure to check out royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com slash events. I'll post a link in our show notes uh, to that page exactly. And by booking into our group with our travel partners at MEI Travel, you're going to get some really nice bonuses as well. And you'll be part of the group. You'll be helping supporting RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And we get to go to Alaska. How cool is that? No pun intended. Cool. It really is neat. <laughs> so thank you very much for the all right, one more email. One more. I love these emails. This is a lot of fun. I love talking roller equipment. And I need any excuse for it, quite honestly. I just, you know, <laughs> if you guys were actually here, we'd probably go for another hour. Next thing, our last lead, we have an email from Krista. Uh, listening to episode 213, I have to share that on our two Disney cruises, we were seated with other families in the dining room. The first cruise, were a group of four seated with another group of four. On our second cruise, it was three and three. Disney was amazing at matching the groups, having many things in common. We had a great time getting to know the other people on our cruises. I think your tip of checking your table assignment when you board is great. We were in a high traffic area on our last one and got a change long before dinner. Unfortunately, we had two very lackluster servers, so maybe we would have been better off with the other spot. I don't think Mike and Michelle solicited enough advice from you on how to make their Oasis cruise amazing. Awesome, Krista. Well, thank you for the email. I knew Mike was wrong about the dining thing. I didn't want to push it, honestly, because it's like, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Okay, well, there you go, right? What's the point of it? But after that episode, a number of people have expressed to me that not you were right. 
Of course I'm right. <laughs> I do appreciate the information, Chris. So thank you very much. And in terms of your tip, by the way, or the tip you alluded to about checking your table assignment, on embarkation day, one of the things you can do, because you're, you're exploring the ship anyway, when you get to the dining room, at some point, walk and go find your your table number. Now, on the bottom of your CPAS card, there's going to be your table number of where you are. You also look for what deck it is, because there's, in many cases, multiple decks. But find your table number and go see where it is. Make sure it's okay. In Chris's case, she was concerned about there was a high traffic area. Maybe it was like there are a couple tables like right when you walk in. Or maybe you want to view something different. I don't know. But the bottom line is you can go on embarkation day, check it out, and if there's a table that does not jive with what you're looking for, maybe you request a, t- a table just for your just for you or the opposite. Maybe you're at a table, a small table, you want a bigger table, whatever. You can talk to the head waiter who's going to be on duty. Usually there's set hours. It's almost always in the afternoon at some point. Check with uh, the cruise compass. It's listed there. Of course, just try to flag a waiter down, have to walking around and say, hey, when's the is there a head waiter available? And if not, when is one available? Again, usually in the afternoon. And you can make the change right there. They're usually very accommodating, whether it comes, whether it's about table assignment changes or, hey, I didn't realize I'm booked for first seating dining. Can I really be on second seating? Or I want to go to my time. They're very, uh, I've had nothing but great success with changing that over. So it is a really good tip, Chris. I'm glad you brought it back up here in this episode because for folks that look to do dining, I know for a lot of people, especially where their dining assignment in the main dining room is a really important choice, so I want to make sure we get the right information out there. All right, well, that'll do it for this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you for joining us here, as always. And if you want to send me your email about your question, maybe you have a comment, thought, something you want to talk about, or your upcoming cruise, this is your opportunity to do so. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.